Welcome to the Ecom Wiz Podcast, a podcast that helps Amazon sellers to dominate the marketplace. And I do mean dominate. Dominate. Each week, we deliver the best interviews with some of the top Amazon influencers in the industry. This is the Ecom Wiz Podcast. Hey everyone, it's Rob Stanley with the Ecom Wiz Podcast. And today, my special guest is John Lawson. He's CEO of Colder Ice Media and also co-host of Watching Amazon on YouTube and Facebook. Hey, John, thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. What's up? Thanks for the invite. So just a, a quick little thing. John, he's an amazing speaker. He's got a list of places he spoke in the e-commerce world that's probably longer than a long sleeve shirt. Let me tell it's you. It's pretty long. It's pretty <laughs> long. But the Over man, 200 places. Exactly. I mean, but he knows his stuff and not just in one specific category. He knows his stuff in a lot of categories of e-commerce. So I wanted to get John. I've been wanting to get John on for a while on the show. Uh, we'll start off with a cute little thing. So John around Christmas time posts a little thing going, Hey, what do you want for Christmas? And I posted up there. I want John Lawson on my podcast. And he replied. So that was awesome. Thanks, John. <laughs> no problem. That was easy. I that wish that's easy. all my kids wanted. <laughs> well, again, I really do appreciate it. So we're going to jump right into this. So one of, in the past, one of the uh, conferences I went to and I saw John speak, he did this amazing, uh, I, uh, sort of like an intro that really caught my attention because everybody was just waking up in the morning. But he did an entire thing on basically how you deal with negative, not just even feedback, like negative reviews, negative feedback, or just negative in the media. I mean, just in general, and John gave this great example. I don't want to take away all of it. John, why don't you talk a little bit about, you know, this uh, slide presentation you had and how you got my attention and how you deal with the negative in the media? Well, I'm a big Beyonce fan. So yes. the whole premise was around Beyonce. And at the time, if you guys remember the infamous elevator incident, right? And there's three people in the elevator, but they only really talk about two. But the only reason why it was so big is because it's Beyonce and Jay-Z plus Beyonce's sister, you know, Solange. And she's going at it with her husband. Well, not her husband, but Beyonce's husband, Jay-Z. Yeah. And you remember the, the, the whole thing. And um, people were very, uh, it, was, it was a whole lot, a whole lot of press. Yeah. And one of the things is you'll notice is Beyonce's just standing there. She's not in engaged or anything but even after that with all that press beyonce and jay-z never made any mention of it um and never responded to it and really what happens a lot of times with us negative comments or negative feedback we immediately want to respond and that's probably the worst thing you can do because you really just add fuel to the fire the first thing you really want to do is you want to stop Take a second, think about it before you ever respond to negative feedback because you don't want to respond emotionally because yeah. 90% of the times what you respond emotionally will not be the best response, especially when we're talking about somebody trolling simply because they ordered the wrong size and you told them, no, you're not going to get a free return label. Yeah. You're going to have to pay for it. Then all of a sudden you're the scam artist and you know, you know how people just escalate stuff. Absolutely. So what you have to think about is they are talking 
directly to you, right? But they're not talking personally to you. They don't know you personally, right? So they're talking to some, you know, company that they have no idea who's on the other side. And what you have to do is not take it personally. And you have to think about it from a business perspective on how you want to respond. Because you're not responding to that one person or that one incident. Who you're responding for is the tens of thousands of people that might read it. Yeah. See? Now you got to think about how can this become an opportunity for you to give those people that might think about doing business with you the feel-good factor so that they're like, you know what? He handled that very well. That company is somebody I want to do business with. That's who you really got to worry about. You are this guy over here. You might get him to calm down. You might get him to, you know, deal with you in a, in a fair manner. But more than more importantly, you do not want to ruin your reputation with yeah, 10,000 other people by the way you respond. Yeah, right? no, I agree. I agree with you 100 percent. You don't don't take it so personally and definitely take a take a moment to, uh, you know, stop and think about what you want to write. A lot of times when I'm responding, let's say eBay and Amazon, let's put this in a real scenario, right? You get uh, a one star review or you get a negative uh, review on uh, eBay. And it's like, take a second, type it in like a notepad or something and kind of walk away from it and then come yes. back to it. I mean, that, that's what that's I used it. to do. Walk away before you hit that return button. Exactly. Yeah, put it, in, put it not where you're going to reply. Put it in a separate notepad or, or Word or something, right? And then right. go back and reread it and see because the one thing we all know, those replies stay there forever pretty much. They're pretty much there forever. Yep. So, and not so, only that, most people, you know, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I never sort on five-star reviews. I'm always sorting on one-star and two-star. I want to see what the problem is. And yeah. so you know that's going to get seen more. So think about it. Think about what you want to have heard by those people in that conversation. In an eBay or an Amazon situation, my thing is, you know, I want to take it offline as fast as possible. Yeah. You know, let's not go back and forth. How can I help you? Here's how to get in contact so we can take care of this for you. I do exactly the same thing, especially on Amazon. I'm reading the one star and I'm mainly looking for, it's pretty easy sometimes to figure out that the issue wasn't even the product. It, it was the customer that was the issue. So I, I've had that happen. But what I'm kind of looking for is, is there a common theme, right? Does a particular part of the product being sold break all the time? Then if right. that's the case, I want to look and see, did they reply and say, hey, we got a new version of this XYZ and we fixed that, addressed that issue. You know, then I know buying it that they've, they've read through their negatives, they've addressed the issue with their product and now the product I'm buying is a better version of what they had before and I feel a little more confident in it. Absolutely. You always want to be addressing those kind of issues in a very positive light. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. Absolutely true. So just to shift gears slightly. So a lot of what's coming up to is ads, right? Like uh, running Facebook ads, running uh, Google ads, running ads on Amazon. And I talked to you a little bit off camera, but let's go over a little bit about like how many times does a, a particular person or anybody who's kind of shopping out there have to see an ad before it really kind of registers? 
And you did a great presentation on this before I got to watch it online. But <laughs> let's talk about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the if you ask, and this is what I usually do, I ask the, the audience, I'm like, how many times do people have to see an ad before they take action on it? And they always say seven or eight. Somebody yeah. says seven or eight, right? And I'm like, wrong. Where did you get that from? Well, it's not tested. Yeah. Nobody says, well, I tested it, and that's the number I came up usually, right? If that's the number that you tested at, fantastic if that's the number. However, what I was like, where? I wanted to know, where did that actually come from? And I did some research, and there's this guy uh, named Thomas Smith who wrote a book called Successful Advertising in around 1885. So wow. just think about that. This is in the, eight, what, 1900s yeah. that he writes this book about advertising and he says in the book that it takes 20 times the funny thing is what when i start taking the book apart it's like okay so let's just go over them the first time people look at the given ad and they don't see it you know you might it just goes by especially yeah. in our world of scroll 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 yeah. second time you might see it but you don't really notice it third time you might become aware that it's actually there. It's like, oh, I've actually seen that multiple times now. And then the fourth time you get a fleeting sense that, you know, I might want to peep this out. You, I like the colors, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. By the fifth Catches time, your eye for a second. Right. So the fifth time is when they actually start reading it. Yeah. Like the fifth time they actually see it, they start reading it. The sixth time they were like, yeah, I'm not even interested. And the seventh time they get irritated with it. So yeah. that is why they say it takes seven times. Because usually that's when people get irritated and they just, you know, I don't want to see that ad anymore, blah, blah, blah. Right? The eighth time, this is when the magic happens. The eighth time is when they say, there goes that ad again. The ninth time is when they're starting to wonder, it's like, wait a minute, I wonder if I'm missing out on something. The 10th uh -huh. time they ask their friends and neighbors and other people in social, hey, have you seen this ad? It seems uh -huh. to be running everywhere, right? So now you're starting to really register in their psyche. 11th, 12th, 13th time, they're starting to feel like there must be value here because I keep seeing this. And literally, when you keep, showing these ads suddenly people want what you have yeah that makes they sense actually make a decision so that's why we go all the way out into the 20th time the prospects actually sees the ad and buys what you're offering so the thing is a lot of advertising uh doesn't get baked in enough they think people are yes somebody saw your ad five six seven times that doesn't mean they read it that doesn't mean they made a decision to buy or not to buy. So we end up actually dropping the advertising too quickly. Now, having said that, I'm using the word advertising, but it doesn't have to always be paid advertising. So that's where, you know, um, social media comes into play, where yeah. you're getting free looks, free ads, free uh, 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 product awareness, because people now are getting content marketed to them along with your advertising. So when I say 20 times, it doesn't have to be, you have to show the ad 20 times. You can yeah. literally 
have somebody see you in 20 different places, literally like the side column in the feed on another, you know, Google site on a, uh, a WordPress, uh, 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 sorry, not a WordPress, page, a press release, right. Okay. Or a blog. There's yeah. so many. So these, these are 20 touches. So not yeah. necessarily 20 ads, but 20 touches sure. really help move that along. No, that, that actually makes a lot of sense. I mean, it really does because you know, it's, it's like an exposure, right? You're, you're exposing it 20 times is what you're, what yeah. you're doing. And yes. that way people have seen an ad, they've seen it in different places. They maybe even read an article about it or heard something about it. Another friends maybe mentioned it. it that completely makes sense. I mean, that's just the power of getting your product out there, getting, uh, you know, exposure for the product, getting somebody to talk about it, getting, so that actually, that's a great segue. Thank you, John. I appreciate that. Cause one of the things we're going to talk about is kind of using social media to sell your e-commerce, but also like influencers and social media, you know, what kind of advice do you have for people on that? I know you do quite a bit of using social media to help sell in the e-commerce world. Uh, let's kind of talk about that and, and go into maybe how people could transition what we just talked about to help with their products and help sell them. You know, I think one of the things you have to recognize is, you know, social media is totally the top of the funnel. Yep. All right. It's totally at the, at the, at the open end of the funnel. People are not in social saying, Oh, I want to buy this product. Let me go to Facebook. It's just not what we do. You know, we don't do that on Instagram. You, you know, rarely, right. You're not going there. Oh, I need to buy X, Y, Z. Let me check Instagram. Yeah. The thing is, you're putting them, you're making them aware of a product and your brand. It's fantastic for product awareness, brand awareness, education, all of that top of the funnel stuff so that you can bring them down from awareness, which is the top, to making a decision on whether or not they want to purchase. Yeah. Once they make a decision on whether they want to purchase, the next phase is who do they want to purchase it from? There's a lot of people I can purchase a lot of different or a lot of the same things from different people and different platforms. So there's a whole nother decision tree that has to be, um, or that gives you an opportunity to engage with your content marketing. And then ultimately, of course, when they push the button and they're like ready to buy and they have chosen you. So you want to think about all of those phases and create content in your social for those phases of people that are looking for whatever it is you're offering. Are they not even aware and you're just making them aware of an opportunity here and what the benefits are? Fantastic. That's one different, that's different content than you're going to write for people that have already decided about the product, but where they want to purchase. Now they, now you're talking about the experience of buying with us, why we are different from our other competitors. You want to have content out there around that. You start stacking all this different content for people at different stages in the funnel. And that's what you use on social media. Then you back that up with the buy now ad. Once I know you've seen my awareness stuff, I can start targeting you for making your decision on purchasing. And my ad is going to help you decide this is actually going to solve whatever problem it is you have. Right. But I don't show you that ad until I already know that you've seen my top awareness stuff. Or I know that you've searched on a keyword that's actually going to trigger 
to, you know, my ad so that I know you already are at that point where you're looking for information on these bullet points. So you really want to start thinking about that with social media more so than let me run ads, let me run ads, let me run ads. The yeah. ad part, I just, you know, I mean, the ads is fantastic. I love ads, you know, but if you have good social stuff that's actually working organically and then you take that and turn it into an ad, it's already a proven winner and yeah. it really helps you. It's part of the scientific laboratory that you'll be working in to really find good stuff that's going to resonate in an advertisement. Yeah. Speak, so speaking of ads, I mean, how, I mean, it seems like we're almost becoming a little bit, you know, blind to the ads now, like they're kind of not in our focus as much as they used to be. And do you feel that it's, it's kind of shifted to providing content, good content, either in an article or good information that's out there. It's kind of like a subtle ad, right? It's, it's like, you're able to give this, give people good information and kind of subtly kind of be like, Hey, and by the way, when you read all this content, you're probably going to be interested in checking this out. Do you, do you see that seems to get actually a better conversion than the kind of a in your face daily, 20 times a day uh, display ad, so to speak? Well, you know, yes and no. Okay. Okay. So here's the deal. If you are Michael Bloomberg, yeah. you can do as much of that in your face that you want to. The in your face, it's not like it doesn't work. At some point, you're going to find a person out of the, thousand people or 10,000 people your ad gets shown to, you know, we call it CPM, right? That's, that's impressions per thousand. Out of that thousand people that see your in the face ad, you're going to get somebody that buys it. Let's say you get one person. So that's a, you know, one per thousand. That's very expensive for most it of it. It is. Yeah. So it's not that it's really more about using your ad money and ad spend wisely versus oh it's not working right yeah. you feel me absolutely yeah. at some point it's going to work with somebody you throw enough spaghetti at the wall some of it sticks yeah but we don't have unlimited most of us don't have unlimited funds sure. so it's really going to be about how to use your funds wisely and offering content is a great strategy yes but i do also know people that do that all day and never make any sales they just keep, all you're doing is helping your competitor. So you want to make sure whatever it is that you've got an actual uh, ending uh, call to action that you want your customer to do. So if you give me this free, you know, ebook or this, uh, here's go to my article about XYZ. In that article, you want to make sure that there's some sort of call to action that you're building up people to go ahead and take. Because yeah. if not, it's just a waste of your time, money, and effort. See? So yeah. I, you can go to most people's blogs, and you get to the end of the blog, and guess what? It's just the end of the blog. No call to action whatsoever. Somebody could actually press on something, but you've never asked them to do anything. So... Yeah. You want to mix it in, but recognize even when you're putting out this good information, we know it's marketing material and make sure you don't lose an opportunity to subtly and pseudo market. And yeah. that might just be read my next article, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. That's a that's, call to action. Here's part one. I'm coming back for part two next week, you know, or tomorrow. That's the call to action. You make sure you want them and ask the consumer to take some sort of action. Yeah, no, that's exactly true. Man, I'm just, I'm learning stuff as we go here. That's, that's amazing. And you're right. I mean, obviously, deep oh, oh, let me just, another one is like this, share this, all of those, oh, yeah. those are, those are right. Because here's the deal. If you do what I say, you're more inclined to do what I say next time. Yeah, no, that absolutely, that's absolutely true. I, I was on a podcast, we were talking about some YouTube marketing and stuff. And I gave, I gave a tip on there and, and it was basically like, how many times we watch a YouTube video, right? And you have the watermark down in the corner and everybody puts in that, down in that corner, they put subscribe, right? But it's so tiny, nobody can even read that it says subscribe. Right. One of the things I did is I turn around and change that watermark to a thumbs up, a giant square, red background, white thumbs up character, and man, our subscribe rate went through the roof compared to having a little subscribe thing that nobody read. And it was subtle. I mean, I didn't even use the word subscribe is not even in there, but people are associated with thumbs up. So it was like just little hints like that can make a big difference. And, and what you just said is great information. I'm going to be using it. So that, that's awesome. It is. Here's the thing, guys. It's a law of reciprocity. It's a, it's a very, very known human behavioral law that if you give me value, I feel like I have to give you something back. And if you just show, like you said, that big thumbs up in the corner, people feel obligated. Oh, it's like, that was so good. I have to give him, you know, a thumbs up. And that's what they'll do. Yeah, no, you're right, John. And my, my I have talked about this before on the podcast. My entire iPhone business was built on how-to videos being posted for free on YouTube. Wow. And then people basically would watch them and some would buy from me, some wouldn't. Some would just be like, hey, that's great information. But the entire business was driven by YouTube video marketing back in the day. So it, it definitely, it is 100% true. You put out their good information, good content. They do feel like they need to come back and kind of reciprocate by at least checking out. You may not necessarily get the sale right off the get-go, but at least they'll come check it out and, and be aware of it, which now put you in their brand awareness. They're now, now aware of your brand. So right. that's, that's awesome. Well, thanks, John. That, that's really good info. Let's also, let's dive a little bit into um, networking. Like, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of people out there, sellers, they kind of sit in their house, they got this whole thing and they're probably doing really great and they're really successful. But how many times have you seen where networking sometimes can just take you to that next level either as a speaker or a seller or making connections e-commerce world. And if you have an example of that, John, it'd be great. <laughs> oh man. I think my whole, you know, my, my whole speaking career came from networking, you know, um, it was just because, you know, I, and we didn't go into the whole background, but you know, I started uh, selling stuff on eBay in 2001, um, created a business out of it in 2004, started speaking in 2009 and the reason why is because i too had a video on uh youtube and uh it was to show people how to fold a bandana i sold bandanas and the people would ask me constantly how do you fold a bandana like tupac i'm like duh everybody knows <laughs> how to do that you know but everybody didn't i made the video 
got 300,000 views. We sold tens of thousands of bandanas from this one stupid video. Um, and, and I say it's stupid because I recorded it in the worst way. It's yeah. not a great video. But um, the deal was somebody was like, hey, we need somebody to speak about, you know, marketing. And you got that video. And that's a good story. Would you talk? That was the first time I ever got on stage. And somebody that was speaking at that same conference, we met up at lunch. We were hanging out. He's like, hey, you know what? I'm doing something in two weeks in, in um, you know, Florida. Would you like to come down? And that turned into another gig and another gig. And that's really how I got started. But it's all from networking. Yeah. You know, there's a difference that, you know, we call everything social media, but really social media was the, what they called it, but there was three things at the time. There was social marketing, social media, and social commerce, right? And our media part was really networking. There was a, that's why they call them social networks, because they're networks, they're handshaking. Networking is the most powerful thing that it's an urge we have. It's an urge that we have as humans to network. That's why we have cities. Now, everybody does it. You know, some people are, you know, not into that. that that's just they're, they're extroverts and there's introverts. I get that. But if you're in business, the one thing that the, the best money you can spend is to spend some money to go to a live event that's in your niche. That is the best money you can spend. And you might not get all of the wisdom from the stage. Most of the wisdom is going to be had by you networking with other people in your industry that do the same thing that you do. Don't deny yourself of this. It's not the same as being in a Facebook group. Not even close. Because yeah. Facebook groups are nice, but they're groups. There's a difference between a group think and a one-on-one -on -one think. There's certain things people won't tell you in a group because they already know that if they say it, if they just say it, all the haters are going to jump on them. If they just say it, all the people that are doing the same thing are going to be mad because you shared it with everybody. There's all kind of limitations that are in group think. See? Yeah. Don't worry about that. You're not getting the whole story if all you do is network online. Networking face-to-face yeah. -face and in person creates, I mean, I've got so many, so many friends that have become lifelong friends simply because I went to events. So yeah. there you go. I'm on this podcast yeah, because, because of, of that. Because we yep. met at an event. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So, That's I mean, it's just, there's so much that is to be said for being able to network. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, we uh, because of this we, network that we both showed up at quite a few, or and that was quite a long time ago. I mean, you never know, right? You never know. You where never know. So, you know, it's like, I never knew that, you know, seven years after meeting you or so, I was gonna be hosting podcasts and have you on. I mean, you just absolutely never know. So that's it, right. That's, it's, all about that. I was okay. So here's Go a good ahead. one. Here's a good one. All right. I'm gonna blow, I'm gonna blow people's mind. Right. So when I was, it was like 
around 2000, I don't know, nine, eight, nine, ten, somewhere around there, I was kind of lonely, right? So I was in my office. I'm like, man, I need to network with more people. So I created my own meetup, right? So I was one. I was like the first e-commerce meetup here in the Atlanta area, right? And it was an eBay meetup, actually, uh-huh. right? I did an eBay meetup. Uh, I probably have been doing it for like three, four months. And I got uh, somebody that came into the meetup at the end. They came over and introduced themselves. Guy was named Mark. I, uh, 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 darn, her name just flew out of my head. Just That's all right. Fast. But anyway, two people came up to me and said, hey, how you doing? We're starting a new company and we would like to come and, you know, uh, maybe address your audience. We're looking for some people that would beta test, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I was like, well, I don't know. Let's, let's just, let's put you on a panel one day and do this. So long story short, I helped those people get their first beta testers. And, you know, they were really nice people and we became friendly. They formulated their company and gave me founder stock. Nice. Today that company is a unicorn. It's called Cabbage. Oh, I'm familiar so, with Cabbage. Everybody knows Cabbage. If hey, you're sure. in FinTech, it's a multi, is it a billion dollar? I guess that's a billion if it's in a unicorn, right? Yeah. A billion dollar company. Yeah. But those first two people, there's three people that started it. Two of them came to my meetup and literally just to thank me for letting them, you know, meet and greet and walk around. They gave me just some stock. That stock was probably worth a penny. Yeah. T- not even worth a penny. Probably everything they gave me was. But you see yeah. what I'm saying? You just never know. Yeah. Never know. I can literally call up the CEO of a billion dollar company in fintech and he'll take my call and take me out to lunch. Yeah. That's awesome. So that, you never know. Networking it's so it's so crucial, right? I mean, it, it's in People might say, well, I don't know the big people like you and I are talking about. It, it's not about that. You go and you got to start somewhere, right? I was, I'll they give you a for instance. Start somewhere. I'll give you a great for instance. I was at an eBay meetup last night. I haven't done, I mean, other than selling a few personal things, I haven't been on eBay in a couple of years. So why did I go to a meetup? Because I went there for the networking. I went there right. to see what are they talking about? Who's in the room? Who can I connect with? They probably had maybe 30 some people in the room. I probably connected with a good 15 to 18 of them. Uh, you know, it wasn't as much of a situation where you could connect until the very end. And then a lot of people left pretty quickly. But I mean, whoever I could, I was handing out my card. I was talking to people. You just never know. You never know who that, who you hand that card to or say hi to or connect with, you know, afterwards on LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever that could turn out to be, you know, somebody that you end up doing something with or helps you out or, you know, does amazing things and you're, now you got another source or another contact. So, or That's maybe right. even introduces you to the next person. So That's I want to bring up, John's got a great, uh, a great show called uh, Watching Amazon. Okay. And it's on yeah. YouTube. It's on Facebook. So, you know, we, being that we're kind of in the Amazon world, but I mean, we're also in the just e-commerce world in general. Uh, so where do you kind of think the future of sort of e-commerce is going, John? I mean, we've got right now, Amazon is like this mammoth uh, company. Uh, Shopify is making a lot of waves. Uh, and then eBay's still struggling in there. But I mean, where do you think down the road these companies will be? Will there be somebody bigger than them? What's your thoughts on it? 
Well, you know what? Here's the thing about e-commerce. It's an ever-changing world. Um, as far as e-commerce here in America, Amazon is, you know, the be-all and end-all. Uh, what's, what's interesting, because I travel so much around the world, what's interesting is that what we see Amazon as is not what the rest of the world sees Amazon as in e-commerce, at least, right? Because, you know, uh, I remember when Amazon went live in Australia, I think it was three, maybe four, three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. Everybody was like, oh, Amazon's going to come in. He's going to take over the place and eBay's going to go. That did not happen. Yeah. Did not happen at all. Amazon struggling like any other. You know, they're doing well for a company that's only been there in that marketplace for a few years. But they did not do what they did here in America. And what they did here in America, we act as if, you know, it happened overnight. But Prime started in 2005. It yeah. took years to get that. It took years for Prime to prime the pump to become yeah. what it is, you know. So when you go around the world, you see a lot of opportunity. Amazon sees a lot of opportunity. Um, but it's, a, it's, it's still the wild, wild west. And you sure. can still get in and do some amazing things at a, at, from what we know here. You can leapfrog in and, and do a lot of great things. I actually believe that there's going to be some, you know, something that comes around and maybe disrupts Amazon at some level. What it is, I don't know. More than likely, it's going to be Amazon itself because that's what Amazon likes to do. They disrupt themselves. So yeah. we'll see what happens there. I, you know, I've been one of the champions for uh, Walmart. If Walmart ever gets their thing together, they could be a player here in the U.S. Uh, it's just, you know, I don't know why they're so sloppy with their, with their systems on the back end, you know, why they're not reaching out and doing what Amazon did when they were getting started and actually walking through and listening to the top sellers on the Amazon platform to help them build their platform. It yeah. would really uh, expedite what they're trying to do and all the humps that we've got trying to do multiple sites and all that kind of stuff. So I really think the future of e-commerce is bright. I don't see e-commerce. It's probably right now around 15%. I don't see e-commerce getting past, I'm going to say, and this is going to be harsh, I'm going to say 30%. I don't see it getting to 50%. I do see it. If that happens, there's going to be a lot of pushback at the 30% number, which is huge. Don't get it wrong. E-commerce has so much room to grow, but this thought and this narrative that Amazon's going to put everybody out of business is just crap. It's not going to happen. If you're thinking in your head right now, 85 to 83% of all purchasing is done in brick and mortar still. Brick and mortar is still pretty hot. So don't get it, you know, uh, totally ahead. There's huge amount of uh, uh, space for you and I to take over right now. There's, there, I know so many people want to, well, what's the, what's, you know, I'm doing okay on Amazon. What else can I do? I'm like, what else you could do is do better than okay on Amazon. <laughs> That's what you could do. It's much easier for you to find the magic pill to move your business forward on the platform you're on 
with the millions and millions of sales that are going on every day there than yeah. it is to, you know, try to ramp up somewhere else and learn that system and have the two systems going and blah, blah, blah. Have you done all you can? Have you taken all the share that you can on the platform you're at? That really should be your focus uh, for growth because um, I don't know, every, everybody's, uh, I don't know. Everybody's in flux right now, and as they wait on the next thing that Amazon's going to do here in America to yeah. upset the Apple cart. So, believe it or not, that's why we watch Amazon because they are the player in all things technology. And you know, I don't know if you saw just the other day I posted on the watching Amazon thing on Facebook that. Uh, you know, Amazon just opened a grocery store like Go. So it's Go Grocery. What's that going to do to the rest of the market? I don't know. Yeah. But get ready, man. It's getting crazy out here. Yeah, and Amazon can. still has to fill their shelves as yeah. they move more and more into retail. And they're going to fill it with good stuff. You know, like if you've never been to a four, have you ever seen their, their four-star um, uh, uh, brick-and-mortar store? The the is it the grab and go style ones or no no they actually got a four star uh, uh, Amazon four star store oh yes yeah we have one here locally yeah I've been to it okay yeah 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 so I mean I went in there and then you know they change that every week the yeah. inventory changes every week based on what is the hot selling products well price too price change the, oh price. The price, there's no prices on the product yeah right yeah you scan it and you it have to tells scan you it. what it's going to be yeah. Current market price as of what is it? Something like every couple hours they update the price or something like that. Exactly. It's crazy. It's like so all of that is changing the behavior of customers all over. So we'll just see where it's at. But the future, like they like they say at the uh, you know uh, um, the president says, you know the future is bright or whatever the hell he said. (laughs) You know what I mean? You know the state of the union. (laughs) <laughs> whatever he says but yes that's what it is that's it's good, awesome. man. It's good. that's good information so i'll tell you John, one thing here's you know what ahead. let me just say that the, the the bar is moving up every day yeah okay so yeah. the entry bar is getting harder and harder right but also for you guys you want to start moving your business up if you're only doing ra start thinking about doing some other higher level things that people can't duplicate so easily. Those kind of things you want to look out for. 100% true. Private label is where you want to be eventually because then you're focusing everything around a brand that you're building uh, that you could basically put out there. Retail arbitrage is a great start. I mean, a lot of people start that way. But yeah, the private label stuff is where you want to be eventually. So you can either exit or keep it going and you're, you know, putting everything behind your own brand or adding more products under your own brand. Absolutely. 100% true. Yeah. Cool. Cool, John. Well, let me uh, let me ask one last thing before we wrap up here. So, I kind of wrote this as a little fun question. So, if you were not in the e-commerce world or kind of living the life of this international speaker, what do you think you would have been uh, doing at this point? I'd be a sex model. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> no, 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 I'm going to cut the podcast right there and not let you say anymore. <laughs> And I'm going to loop that and put it on YouTube. That's hilarious. Um, Honestly, and this is part of kind of where I'm at, you know, I would definitely be a speaker. I've always been, I've always had this thing 
with my ability to kind of simplify the complex. Because if you just think about everything we talked about here, I've not said anything you've never heard before, yeah. but it's very simplified. It's like, oh, I get people when, when I speak, people are like, oh, I got it now. That's I'm good at that. And, and I've always been good at that. And I really enjoy uh, the, the, uh, the energy I get yeah. from speaking. So yeah. that's definitely what I would have been doing, no matter what. I agree with you 100%. And I mean, if you are, I'm talking to the audience out there. If you have not seen John speak live, uh, any conference you're going to, see if he's going to be there or follow him on johnlawson.com, J-O-H-N-L-A-W-S-O-N, johnlawson.com. Besides the watching Amazon on YouTube, look that one up also. Uh, absolutely entertaining. Get ready because if he's first speaker in the morning and you're half asleep, he will wake you up. And you will get done at set that, say, 40, 45 minutes to an hour presentation. You will be wide awake and you'll be scrambling to take notes. So, John, you're absolutely incredible speaker. I can't wait to see you in person again. It's been quite a long time. Thanks again for being on the EcomWiz podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Matt. Thanks for joining us this week on the EcomWiz podcast. Special thanks to our sponsor, FeedbackWiz.com. Be sure to use coupon code POD50 for 50% off your first paid month with FeedbackWiz. Again, the code is POD50. Please subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss an episode. Join us next week for more great tips to help Amazon sellers dominate the marketplace.